Welcome, everybody. My name is Abdi, and I serve here as the lead pastor, and I, it's an honor to be with you all today. And we are kicking off a brand new series today that I'm excited about. Um, I, you know, I was praying about what to share. We just got done with a pretty meaningful series. The last one we did with, anybody remember the title of it? We just did it last week. There you go. Don't stop believing. And it was, it was a pretty meaningful series, and I was praying. I was like, God, what do we, where do we go from here? Like, this was really good. You know, what, what do we go from here? A lot of folks, feedback saying how meaningful it was to them. And I really felt like the Lord was leading us to this other uh, series of topics that um, we are calling the nuclear option. The nuclear option. And, the, and this one is a little more drastic. I don't know if it's like the pyromaniac in me that wants to like blow stuff up. <laughs> I don't know. But this one is called the nuclear option. And the reason it's called the nuclear option is because I don't know if you know, but there's like things in our lives that no matter how hard we try, we're not supposed to fix them. Like, I don't know if you've ever had like a car, you, you know, you've, if you have a used car and you've taken it to, um, to the shop and the mechanic tells you, the expert says, look, it's not worth getting that part fixed. It's just better to do what? Buy a new one, right? And, and so there's things not only in life, but in our lives that it's not worth trying, th these things are like, it's not worth wasting your energy trying to fix it, you might as well just blow it up and start again. Something that happened to me this week, on Tuesday actually, I was on my phone that, I don't know if you know, you can't really see it, but these are, this is like supposed to be a good phone, like the one with the little cool symbol, the Apple on it, right? And so I'm over here working on it Tuesday night, and all of a sudden, it froze up on me. And no matter what I did, tried to turn it on, off, it was frozen. Plug, unplug, nothing I did could get it to work. So you know what I ended up having to do? Throwing it on the ground and stomping on it a few times. I wanted to do that, but no, I didn't do that. That's how I feel every time I get frustrated with technology. But no, I didn't do that. Um, what I did was, what would anybody say? I had to what? I would love to take the battery out. There's no way you could take the battery out of these things. I actually had to do a hard reset, a hard, that was the only way, I had to hold these buttons down, wait, 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 turn off, turn back on, see the little apple again, it's the only way, and that's the same thing in our lives, in our lives, sometimes we need to do a hard reset, we need to just blow up everything, nuclear option, and just start again, because some of us, we have issues, I, including me, have issues in our lives that we just can't continue to struggle with these issues any longer, we can't continue to do life as we know it. We've got to do a new normal. That's what the nuclear option is about. We can't do business as usual. We've got to just blow it all up and start from scratch and start all over again. We've got to do that sometimes in our lives. And so this is what we're going to talk about during this series. And I think it's going to be really meaningful for a lot of us here today as I was praying. I think it's going to be helpful for us. And so as we get ready, I want to just let you know some of these issues that we have, that I have, that we struggle with, there are contrary to biblical issues, to biblical values. And I believe that this is going to be a very meaningful series for us. And so let me just tell you what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about contentment, this word called contentment. And, and, and the, the danger that happens when we compare ourselves with others because what happens is we become dissatisfied we become discontent in our own hearts and in the upcoming weeks we're going to talk about 
This, today we're going to talk about this, but in the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about the lack of depth within our lives and our need for intimacy with others. And we're going to talk about authenticity, because one of the things I've been learning is that the more filtered our lives are, the more difficult it is for us to be authentic. And so we're going to talk about compassion. Studies show that actually, that the last 20 years, we actually care considerably less about other people. And yet God calls us to be compassionate. We're going to talk about how do, we, how do we care for one another in a self-centered world. We're going to talk about rest because I'll tell you, honestly, it's hard for me to disconnect at times. When I should be disconnecting, I just stay connected, and it's an issue for, for I think, more than just me, for many of us. And so we're going to dive in today in our first part of the nuclear option, and we're going to talk about discontentment and envy and how we become content in Christ. Some people believe that discontentment has never been a bigger problem in the history of the world than it is today. If you think about it, there has never been, would never have so many people have so much and yet want so much more. And some sociologists actually were saying that when we look at other people's lives, you know, what we look is we see on the outside, they look so perfect, right? And then they're, they're, they're putting their best image, their, their filtered image forward. And it's like someone who said, you know, we're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. And we feel like losers because we see the best of their best and we know the worst of our worst. And I heard of two moms who finally were able to talk, but they really hated each other. They finally decided they were going to talk heart to heart to each other and just be honest with each other. And one was a working mom, and she said, you know, I just hated you. I hated you because you just seemed like you were so perfect, like the Pinterest mom. You know, you're a stay-at-home mom who does the crafts and your structured time with your kids, and you made me feel so guilty. And then the stay-at-home mom looks at this mom, and she says, I hated you. I hated you because you seemed like you actually had a life and you're out in public, and you're doing things, and I haven't had, you know, my hair in anything other than a ponytail in, like, forever, and I haven't seen an adult in, like, nine years, and so, you know, here we have these two people comparing and longing for what the other people, other person has, and maybe you've been like this. You're at home, and you're all by yourself, and you hear about your friend that's on a date, and they're eating lobster, and you're like, I'm at home eating lean cuisine, and I don't even like lean cuisine, you know? Or your friend is at the gym, and they're taking like selfie pictures of all their big muscles, and they're sending them to you, and you're like at home eating frozen pizza after frozen pizza. You're trying to keep DiGiorno's pizza from going bankrupt at home, and you feel bad about yourself. And so you, you summarize, you compare yourself, and you just say, you know, everybody else's life is so much better than mine, and my life just simply sucks. It just simply, it stinks. And the more we compare with others, the less satisfied we are. Years ago, some researchers did a study at two college universities, and they had two students spend, um, I'm sorry, not two students, they had students spend uh, half an hour on Facebook, and then they surveyed their feelings after just a half an hour of just looking at Facebook. And what they found is that one-third of the students, they felt significantly depressed citing envy as the number one emotion of what they felt after 30 minutes of just watching what happens on Facebook. Envy, you guys, this is something we got to apply the nuclear option to. 
Envy is something, this is a serious issue. It, it's a real issue. And so what I want to do today is be very, very honest and expose any discontentment that we have in our hearts. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to ask everybody to participate. And I'm going to give you three categories, different categories, three different categories of discontentment. And I, wanna, I want you just to be gut-level honest with me about these areas and st- that you may or may not struggle with, okay? So let's talk first about material and financial discontentment. Maybe you see someone and you, they just got a new car and you're like, oh, my car's a piece of junk. I hate my car, you know? And, and you just want to be happy for them, but you're jealous. You want that car. Or someone brings some brownies over to you and you're not looking at the brownies. You're looking at the nice corningware the handles and the lid and the button on the top and you're like i want that corningware forget the brownies you know and so you're just thinking oh, i wish i had that or you're looking at your friends who go to disney world again for like the third time and you're like i wish i could go to disney world you know and you're you, you know you just wish or or maybe someone that you're like oh my gosh this person they they have so much they have more shoes than zappos and i wish i all have is three pairs and they have all these pairs of shoes and it just makes you materially or financially at some level discontented would you be real honest if that has ever been an issue for you just raise your hand with me right now. Just call it what it is. Do not lie in the house of God. That's not a good idea. It's dangerous. All right, all right. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You kind of put them up and down really fast. I didn't even get a chance to see. Would you raise your hand? Okay, I see one hand. Okay, 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 okay. You can put them back down. Thank you. So let's talk about relational discontentment. Relational discontentment. You see all your friends and they're together and you're not there. You see all of them hanging out, and you're like, how come I wasn't invited? How come they're like doing this, and they didn't invite me? What's wrong with me? Why do I never get invited to these events? Or maybe you're not married, and every person you know is married, and they're happy, and you're not. And, and, and you wish, man, I wish I had that somebody special in my life. And you, you see someone else, and they have time with their children, and you don't. You're like working all the time. You know, you're working your tail off, and you're just trying to make ends meet for your children, and, and you just feel guilty. You see the relational intimacy with, with other people and what they have and you don't have and you just, you would want that. And they look like they're, you know, maybe you see a marriage and like, man, this looks like a great marriage and you feel like, you know, you've got a marriage and all of a sudden you find yourself in, in one form or another a little bit envious of someone else's relational status. If that's you, let's just be real honest today and say you've ever felt that, would you lift up your hands with me in this moment? Okay, I see those hands. You came down quickly, but you could, it's okay, I saw some. Okay, third one is what I call circumstantial discontentment. Circumstantial, you're, you're looking at your life and you're comparing it to someone else's. And you're thinking, man, I wish I was where they are. Or, or I wish I was where they were, you know. By this point in my life, I was hoping that I would be, you know, I thought I'd be somewhere different or doing something significant. I wish I could, you know, maybe there's some here. I wish I could have a baby, you know. I keep going to these, you know, reveal parties like the 14th one this month. And I wish I just had a baby and I can't even have a baby. I wish I had more significance in life or, or whatever. Quite honestly, for me, this is my one. This is the one that it trips me up quite a bit. The circumstantial one is because, you know, like most pastors, um, we, I have to work on the weekend. You know, you see me here on Sunday, but a good part of my Saturday, you can ask my wife, I'm locked in. 
um, to get ready for today. And I, you know, I hear about my friends that they're at football games or, you know, they're at concerts or family events or they're at Disney, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, fine, you know, I'm going to go save the world and you can just go serve the devil in Orlando, okay, I'm fine with that, <laughs> right? I'm going to go do something significant on the weekends. I understand you got to be, you know, do so. I'm just being real honest, you know, I, I you know, I, I just look at people, I'm like, have your fun. That's fine. Have your fun, you know all that boring stuff you're doing. Have, have that. I, I wish I could be at Disney with my little Mickey Mouse ears eating cotton candy. But anyway, somebody said this. Somebody said this. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of, what, uh, of how you respond. And I think that's good. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Think about that. The reality is, I think for most of us, it's that it actually flips for us, right? Most of us, Life is like, we feel like life is 90% of what happens to us and we really don't have much power in how we respond. The Apostle Paul was the master of responding with Christ-like perspective. And in fact, we're gonna look at, uh, to me, what I think is the most important scripture. It, it, it's, it's, to me, it's the best scripture on contentment. And he's writing this. And, and you need to understand that while he's writing this passage of scripture, he's actually in jail. He's, I'm sorry, he is arrested. He's in house arrest. He is chained to a Roman guard while he's writing these words. Look at this. And he's chained to a Roman guard, by the way, 24 hours a day, right? He's not off on a beach drinking those drinks with the little umbrellas on it while he's writing this. This is like a very uncomfortable, life is not going great for him in this moment. And here's what he says in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And then he says this, I've learned the what? Everybody say it aloud. I've learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation. In other words, if life is going the way I want it to, or if life is not going the way I want it to, all I know is I know the secret of being content whether fed, he says, or hungry, or whatever, living in plenty or in want. And you want to know what the secret is. You want to know what the secret is. Here it is. Here's the secret of being content in every, every situation. He says this in verse 13. I can do all this through whom? Say it with me. I can do all this through Christ who does what? Through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. The secret of contentment is not found in what I have or in what I do not have. The secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. Listen to me. Until Christ is all you have, until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognize that Christ is all you need. You want to find the power of contentment? You let everything else be stripped away and then you cling to the Savior. You cling to the Son of God and you recognize that His presence is real, that He offers a peace that goes beyond our, our, our human ability to comprehend that He is our rock, that He is our sustainer, that He is our redeemer, that He is the peace that covers our minds. He's our, you know, our assurance. He is everything that we need. You can search and search and search 
and get all the likes that you want on Facebook. Get all the approval from people that you want, all the material things that you want and you love and, and, and you can have as many people love you and, as you can find, but until you experience the goodness of Christ, you'll always be dissatisfied. You'll always be longing for something more because within you is a Christ-shaped void. You were born for eternity. And there is nothing, nothing, there, there, there is nothing that you can fill that with because there's a longing for, for something more that this world has to offer. This world can't offer what you really need. And until you let Christ be all you need, you'll always battle with the enemy of discontentment. And envy will rule in your heart. Paul says, I'm going to tell you the secret of being content. Listen, I can have a lot, Paul says, or I can have a little. I can be in a Roman prison, but by Christ, I can do everything he calls me to do. That's the secret of being content. So what I want to do is I want to talk about two things, two things that we absolutely completely need Christ's strength in order to do. Two things that we will help us, that'll help us overcome this sin of envy and apply the nuclear option to envy in our lives. So through Christ's strength, number one, we will blow up comparisons. Through the strength of Christ, we will blow up comparisons. Paul said this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He said, we do not dare we're not even gonna get close to this, he says, to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Because when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. A wise pastor once said to me, he said, no one wins when we compare. We gotta apply the nuclear option to comparisons. It's not wise to compare, so guess what? We're just, we're just not gonna do it. In fact, we're going to be tempted, but we're not going to do it. I remember the first time that this became real for me in my life, getting crushed by comparisons. I was in elementary school, and I was the very first one in my class, in my school, to get this Michael Jackson beaded jacket. It wasn't actually like leather. It was, and I know Michael Jackson is like a person non grata these days, but he was the man at that time. And I got this jacket, and it was the beaded jacket, the one with all the zippers and the glitter, and the, it was long-sleeved. And it looks, I, we actually have a picture of not me wearing it, but of what the Michael Jackson beaded jacket looks like. Can you show it up on the big screen? Do you have that anywhere? He's looking for it. I think we have it. Can't find it? Nowhere? Okay, so, but this Michael Jackson beaded jacket, I mean, I felt like I was so cool for school. It was awesome. Whenever I walked into school and I had my Michael Jackson beaded jacket on, everybody would look around and go, wow, that's awesome. He's got the jacket before anybody else had it. And it was, I mean, I walk around in school and it was, it was really cool. And, and I remember there was this one young girl named Michelle. Not the Michelle we have here, but another young Michelle. And I had a crush on her. And when she saw me with my jacket, she was like, ooh. <laughs> All of a sudden, she was hanging around with me, and she even gave me a kiss on the cheek. I got a little bit of action. I'm telling you that Michael Jackson <laughs> beaded jacket was the bomb. And I remember walking around with, I would look so, you know, I felt so confident and cool, and Michelle by my side giving me kisses on the cheek. It was awesome. And then my good friend Corey came along. And Corey looked like Michael Jackson. He had the curly hair. 
He had the voice, the song. He had the moves, the, you know, everything. And all of a sudden, Michelle said, bye-bye to me. And she went with Corey. And I was like, what? What? No, don't do that. I'm like, what does he have? I have the Michael Jackson beaded jacket. And he was, she was like, yeah, but he looks like Michael. And you don't. I'm like, no. And I'll tell you, like three years of counseling, I'm still <laughs> working through that even today. We're going to hit the nuclear option on comparisons. Why? Why? Because James chapter 3, verse 14 and 16, it says this. I want, and I want you to see how dangerous this is. Verse 14, it says, if you harbor bitter envy, okay, listen to me. Those of you who are envious, who you've struggled with this, watch what this does. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. James is being a little sarcastic here, okay? He says, such wisdom, and wisdom is in quotes. If you see it up there, it's in quotes because he's really, it's not really wisdom, but he's like, all right, if you want to call it wisdom. So such wisdom does not come from heaven, but what is it? You guys say it aloud. What is it? It is earthly. It is what? It is unspiritual. And what else is it? Demonic. Envy is demonic. It is unspiritual. It is not from heaven. It is earthly and it is demonic. Look at verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. We're going to blow up comparisons because it is demonic. You guys, this is one of the commandments of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. It actually says that. It's not just unhealthy, it is sinful in the eyes of God. Therefore, we're going to blow it up. We're going to blow up and crush comparisons. And so I don't know how this is going to play out for you practically. Some of you, you may need to stop ordering certain catalogs that come to your house because every time you look at it, you look at, you know, what they have and you hate what you have. You know, some of us, we got to stop watching HGTV. Oh no, did he go there? Not HGTV. Yes, because we look at their, these beautiful homes and like, I hate my shack, my little thing, you know? And you just, you want that. And so, you know, I don't know what it's going to play out. Maybe we got to, you know, stop going to these car shows because we keep looking at their cars and wishing we had it. I, I, I don't know what it could be. You know, you go and you see these motorcycles. You're like, oh man, that motorcycle or these motor homes and you're wishing you had it, whatever it is. You may need to take you know, a break from social media because this is feeding the sin of envy. And so we're gonna blow up comparisons. Why? Because this envy, it's demonic. Every evil practice comes from within. This lust and longing for more, something more. And not only are we gonna blow up comparisons in this way, but I also find that celebrating the successes of other people, it really purifies my heart. And when someone you know, else is blessed in a way that I wanted to be blessed, and my response is, man, um, I, I learned to celebrate with them, it, it purifies the intentions of my heart. Someone else gets the job that you wanted, right? And you're like, you know what? God must have a reason for blessing that person. They must have needed it. And with everything in me, you know, you just, I, got, I thank God for the blessings that I do have in my life. Someone else gets the things that, you know, you always wanted. Man, oh God, thank you so much that your hand of blessing is on them. 
God, continue to, to, to bless them. Let them go on these vacations that they go on. This is awesome, you know? I love it that my friend is sending me pictures from Hawaii as he eating those pineapples and macadamia nuts over there. I love, God, bless him. Thank you, God, that they're having a good time and this is a big blessing for them. I found that in my own heart. When I can't celebrate for others, I actually think I'm limiting what God wants to do in my life. I really do. And I'll just give you one example. I, over the, the, the course of my marriage, it's been a little over 11 years, and we have been blessed every single year. It feels like every year our marriage just grows and grows in our love for each other. It's been amazing. Uh, not that we haven't had our hard times or our rough patches, but I've recognized that when it has happened, when we have had our, our rough patches, it's usually because of sin in my life. And I remember when we were going through a, a rough patch and I was getting ready to officiate a wedding. And, you know, I'm a pastor. I kind of do these things. I officiate weddings. And, and I met this young, beautiful couple. And they were almost as good looking as Marie and I. Almost. Not quite, but they were so in love and they had a lot of good things going for them. And, you know, they had a lot of family support and their careers and stable and growing finances. And, and they were going, you know, where they were going to live. They had the place they were going to live. But when I met them, I could tell that they were obviously struggling in their relationship, that they were like not on the same page in a lot of things of their marriage. And I, I prayed for them, but it was kind of like a prideful prayer. I, it was like God Bless this young, beautiful couple, God. I, I pray you bless them. Help them. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, God, I'm so glad I'm not them, you right? It, it was almost like this pride, like Marie and I, we're so better off than they are, you know? And I really felt like God spoke to me. And, and I'm real careful when I say that I really felt like God spoke to me because, you know, I can't be 100% sure, but, you know, if I was, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'm pretty sure I felt like the Lord was speaking this to me. And I felt like his voice and his presence was saying, well, Abdi, ask me this question. Would you really be happy if I bless them more than I bless you in your marriage? And I thought for a second, I thought, you know what? My answer to that is not good right now because um, no, I would not be happy. Lord, bless them. Bless them a lot, but don't bless them as much as you're blessing Marie and I, right? Not, not that much. And I recognized at that point that my heart was very impure because it wasn't about them. It wasn't about God building his kingdom in their lives. It was about me and my kingdom and my marriage, and, 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 and that's a very dangerous place to be let alone that I'm a pastor, right? But that's a very, very dangerous place to be. And so I deeply repented, and I, you know, I said to God, God, I really want to be at a place where I want you to bless other marriages more than you're blessing our marriage. And when, when I tell you that when I could get to that place in my heart, what it, that it was really more about the kingdom of God then suddenly God started to bless our marriage again. That rough patch that we were going through, all of a sudden, you know, we were getting past that. And you know, I can't prove this, and this isn't in the Bible. And this may or may not be true, but in my own heart, I live as if it was, if it, if it would be true. And perhaps the reason I feel like that God is not blessing you with something that you want is because you're not celebrating God's blessings in someone else's life. And I want to be careful, and I want to celebrate his blessing in someone else's life. I never want it to be about me. If you're not, you know, getting what you want, it could be because your heart is not right. And we're going to blow up comparisons and celebrate God's blessings in other people's lives. Can you guys say yes? yes. 
So the first thing is we're going to blow up comparisons, right? The second thing, if you're taking notes, and I think this is good, and this is we're going to cultivate gratitude in our lives. We're going to cultivate gratitudes in our life. In fact, someone defined envy this way, and I think it's very interesting. You might want to jot this down. It's like if I'm envious, this is envy. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. I think it's pretty powerful. I'm going to say it again. Envy is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life, and it's ignoring his goodness in our own lives. And so we're going to cultivate gratitude. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15, it's such a powerful verse for me, and I, I think this is awesome. It says this, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. Some of you, you know people who are like this, who are despondent. Some of you are people like this. You're despondent. Oh, it's going to be a rainy day. Oh, it's going to be a horrible day. Oh, the economy is still struggling today. Oh, I'm so upset. Oh, my kids are always brats today. Oh, my car, it, it never really starts. It's a piece of junk. And for the despondent, Scripture says, every single day brings trouble. But look at the second part. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. For the happy heart, the happy heart, the one who might have these same exact, same things going on as the despondent person, the happy heart sees the blessings of it. The happy heart is always ready to see God's goodness. You see, if you want to look for the bad in things, you are always going to find it. If you want to look for the bad things going on, but if you want to look for it to see God working, guess what? I'm going to tell you this. You're always going to find it too, right? For the happy heart, it's a continual feast. If you look for the blessings of God, you're going to see it. In fact, I, I, I'm so grateful for different role models that I've had in my life. I had one that was one role model who was older than me, and he was like grandpa-esque. He was like this sage. I loved him in my life, and he's passed on now, and his name was Radames. We were so close that I would even call him uncle. I'd call him Tio Radames, uncle, uncle, and he's passed on, but every time I talked to him, I would ask him, hey, uncle, how's it going? And he would say, all good. He would say, todo bien. Like, it could be translated, life is good. Every time I would ask him, Uncle, how you doing? All good. It's all good. There'd be times in his life that I've known him for a long time. He suffered from emotional conditions, physical disorders. Uncle, how you doing? Oh, all good. I'm like, you don't sound good, Uncle. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. He's like, oh, no. When you remember where you come from, when you remember what you've been through, he told me this. Every day, it's like you're living a dream. I shouldn't even be alive. You don't understand. <laughs> the family I have, the kids, I, you don't understand my life. If you knew, you would realize that it is all good. I might have a little bit of pain, I'm not going to lie, but it is all good. And I remember him saying that. He would say that for years and years and years. And, I, you know, I, it, it bothered me for a while. I'm like, that's just what he says. It doesn't really mean it. it it's not, you know, it's not really who he really is. But it wasn't until years later I realized, no, this is what he really believes in his heart. And I like that. All good. Life is good. Scripture says, for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. It's all about perspective. I'm living a dream. 
My uncle would tell me, I'm, I'm living a dream in this world, son. All this is borrowed time. You got to understand it. I wasn't supposed to be here this, this far, this late in the game. I'm here now. Life is good. In fact, Solomon, who was the richest man of his time, some people would believe dollar for dollar the richest man that ever lived, all right? He said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. He said, enjoy. Can everybody say, all of you say that? Enjoy. Enjoy what you have. Say that with me. Enjoy what you have. Show me some love today. Keep reading. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. You want to have a continual party in your life? Enjoy what the good Lord has given you. Instead of longing for what you don't have, be thankful for what God has given you. Instead of wishing you had somebody else's life, they're longing for your life in so many different ways you don't even understand, right? Enjoy what you have rather than longing for what you do not have. And so the next time you're tempted to complain about your piece of junk car, instead say, you know what, I thank God that at least I have a car and I live, it puts me in the top 5% of, or so of the wealthiest people in the world. My piece of junk car puts me in the top 5% of the wealthiest people. In the, I thank God that I have a car. Oh, I wish I had a better house. No, I thank God that I have a roof over my head and indoor plumbing. Because some of us, we come from countries and places around the world where that's a reality. They don't have a roof over their head. They don't have indoor plumbing. Look, the other half of the world doesn't have what we have. Instead of complaining, oh, my life is so crazy right now. My kids are driving me crazy. They always got me busy doing stuff. I'm so, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Instead of complaining about that, we say, you know what? I'm so happy that I have a family. I'm so happy that God has blessed me with kids and that they're healthy and that they're involved in activities. I thank God that you know, I, I've got things to do and places to be and, and people to bless. I thank God that I've, I've got a significant life that keeps me busy doing significant things to bless other people. Listen, I thank God that every single week here in our church, we have people whose lives are being transformed, people who are coming to Christ for the very first time. I love that. That's amazing that the lost are being found. We're seeing marriages being saved. We're seeing lives being transformed. I love that. Let me just go off on this for a second since we're on the subject. I just want to say, as long as there is one lost person out there, our work is not done. Our work is not done. And I thank God that people are coming to know Christ. And, you know, I'm not going to bow down to the demonic curse of envy and comparisons because God is always good. And he has been better to me through his son Jesus than anything I could ever imagine. And when my life is good, I thank God for his blessings and when my life is not so good, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to thank God for his goodness, that he's working in all things in my life to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, we're going to do what? Number one is to blow up comparisons because it's earthly, because it's unspiritual, because it's demonic. And we're going to celebrate the blessings of others and rejoice with those who rejoice. And we will cultivate gratitude 
We're going to be worshiping our God because he's worthy of our praise because we, we've learned the secret of being content, whether living in plenty or living in want. And the secret is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because he is all that I need. I'm going to pursue him with all my heart. I'm going to pursue, I'm going to find, and I'm going to find him when I pursue him because I'm going to look for him, and I'm going to find true contentment. I'm going to find joy, because he is life, because he truly satisfies. Can you guys say yes? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, and as you do that, you're just kind of blocking out distractions as you close your eyes and bow your heads, and so I'm just going to say a word of prayer. Our Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would seal this message in our hearts, that we would be a church full of people longing to know you, to seek you intimately, to find joy and strength and contentment in your son, Jesus, that we would be changed, God, because we've been in your presence. And as you take a moment and reflect on God's word, those of you who would say, you know what, yeah, I can see it, often envy and discontentment, it's in my life. I see, I'm comparing, and often I, I feel very dissatisfied. I, I want to take this before God today. I want to ask his Holy Spirit to bring a, a settledness in my soul, and I'm going to enjoy what I have instead of longing for what I don't have. I'm going to have a happy heart, a continual party, enjoying the goodness of God, seeing God's blessings all around me. God, forgive us of this sin, and help us to be content in your son, Jesus.